0: Thank you, Jeremy. If you all please stand for the reading of God's Word with me. And while you are standing, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. Please feel free to use the Pew Bible, and that is located, Scripture reading is located on page 554 in your Pew Bibles in front of you. Matthew checked, Chapter 6, starting in verse 19, reading through verse 21. Follow along. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come. We come humbly before your throne, thanking you and praising you. Father, for your Son, who came to this earth fully man, yet fully God, and went to the cross, who died and rose again, and is sitting at your right hand. Lord, I thank you for each individual that is here this morning. Father, may we just come, may we lay our burdens down at your feet those that are experiencing sickness, financial issues, relationship issues, whatever it may be, Lord, may you just speak to each one this morning. Be with Pastor Bruce this morning as we continue in this series, Money Matters. Convict us, Lord, may your will be done, not our will, but your will be done on this day. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, as Dane said,
1: we are continuing in a series we started last Sunday. series has taken us through the month of January on stewardship called Money Matters. You know, if you think about it, people can be rather funny about their money. There's a story about an older couple in Maine who lived during the early days of aviation. Morris and his wife Martha went to the state fair every year. And they saw a barnstorming pilot offering rides in his open cockpit biplane there. And every year, Morris would say to his wife, you know, Martha, I'd really, really, really like to ride in that airplane. And every year, Martha always replied, I'm sure you would, Morris. But that airplane ride cost $10, and $10 is $10. But this year, Morris said, by jeepers, Martha, I'm 85 years old, and if you... And if I don't go this time, I may never get another chance. But Martha said, Morris, that airplane ride costs $10, and $10 is $10. And the pilot overheard their conversation and said, folks, I'll make you a deal. I'll take both of you up, and if you can stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word, I won't charge you. But if you say just one word, it's $10. Well, Morris and Martha agreed. And up they went. The pilot put the plane in all kinds of loops and rolls and stalls and dives, but he didn't hear one word behind him. He did his daredevil tricks over and over and over again, but not a word. When they finally landed, the pilot turned to Morris and said, By golly, I tried everything I could to make you holler, but you didn't. I'm really, really impressed. And Morris replied, Well, I was going to say something when Martha fell out. But $10 is $10. (laughs) And if truth be told, we're all a little bit like Morris. Money matters. Hopefully it doesn't matter more than your spouse, but money matters. We said last Sunday that the Bible is, is filled with stories about money, how to make it, how to spend it. How to save it, how to give it away. In fact, Jesus taught more about money than about any other social issue out there. More than marriage, more than politics, more than work, more than sex, and even power. Why? Because Jesus knows something about money. He knows that our hearts are connected to our money. He deals with money matters because money matters to us, and it matters to God as well. Last Sunday we started with the wisdom principle in fact in this series we're looking at four different principles and last Sunday we looked at the wisdom principle and the wisdom principle basically says this if you remember from last Sunday is to see wealth with the right perspective and it also says then use wealth for the right purpose and we learned that the right purpose of our wealth is to honor God with it to give of our first fruits the first fruits of our income is the way that we honor God with our wealth. Today we're going to discover another principle, and that is the treasure principle. In fact, Randy Alcorn kind of coined this term in, in a book that he's written on stewardship. It's a great book. I recommend it. Jesus sets forth, though, the treasure principle in the text that Dane read for us here in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus basically says this, go ahead and store up treasures for yourself. But just make sure you store it up in the right place. That's the essence of the treasure principle. It's the essence of what Jesus says to us in Matthew 6. Go ahead, store up treasures for yourself. But just make sure you store them up in the right place. You see, Jesus is telling us there's a place where treasures will be lost. And there's a place where treasures will lost will last so go ahead and store up treasures for yourself just make sure you store it up in the right place now that's a pretty good sound advice which means Jesus is trustworthy Jesus has our best interests in mind Jesus is telling us something here we ought to pay attention to the words of Christ here we can trust what he says and so we would do well to put into practice the words here of Christ The words of the treasure principle. And it comes down to two different points here. Jesus breaks this treasure principle down to two things, and he says two things to us. Number one, do not store up treasures on earth. That's the first thing he tells us. Notice again what he says in verse 19. Do not store up treasures, or for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. The old saying... I'm sure you've heard it, says that the one who dies with the most toys wins. But the serious question is, wins what? Job confesses in Job 1.21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so Jesus tells us here, don't store up treasures on earth. And he tells us for one simple reason why. Why? Notice this in your notes. The inevitable reality is treasures stored up on earth will be lost. Jesus is warning us. He's giving us a heads up. He's giving us insight into something. That all treasures and toys we store up here on earth, they won't last. Listen to what Proverbs says in 23, verse 5. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. What a picture we have here. The next time you buy an iPhone, next time you buy a pair of Nikes, just imagine it sprouting wings and flying away. Eventually, that's what happens, sooner or later, to all of our treasures and toys. They won't last here on this earth. So be careful, in other words, Jesus is saying. He's coming to us as his Christ followers, and he's saying, pay attention to something. Be careful where your treasures reside. And he gives us two reasons why. First of all, he says, treasures on earth are perishable. They are perishable. Now, in the days of Jesus, fine clothes were considered a part of one's wealth. In fact, you go to the the old testament and it's interesting there in second kings chapter 5 verse 22 the servant of elisha actually tried to swindle naaman who was a, an army commander there he actually tried to swindle naaman out of two changes of clothes clothes were valuable and in Joshua 7:21 most of us are familiar with that story where achan sinned by doing what By stealing a beautiful cloak from Jericho when the Lord has said, don't take anything from them. But Jesus here, he comes to us and and he now tells us, don't store treasures. he He says, do not treasure your clothes because moths will destroy them. Likewise, precious metals were considered a part of one's wealth. But Jesus warns us not to treasure precious metals because rust will destroy them eventually. This is the passive harm that we suffer when we store up treasures here on earth. It's passive harm, in other words. It's not, we're not actively involved in it, but moth and rust destroy subtly and eventually. That's the idea behind this. And so Jesus is reminding us of something here, a truth, that treasures on earth are eventually perishable number two he reminds us that treasures on earth are also vulnerable whatever other valuables you may have stashed in your house Jesus says don't treasure them either Jesus says those valuables are vulnerable they're vulnerable to thieves breaking in and stealing them now this is the active harm we suffer when we store up treasures here on earth moth and rust destroy subtly And eventually, but actively, thieves steal suddenly, even violently at times. And so Jesus is warning us that if you store up treasures on earth, then know something. Know this in advance. Moss will find it, or rust will corrode it, or thieves will steal it. Jesus could have gone on. Fires consume, floods destroy, government cease, enemies attack, investments go sour. In fact, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, God tells us that this present world in which we live will one day be consumed by fire. That is, everything on this earth will go up in flames. The reality is, no earthly treasures are safe. It will either decay, disappear, or be destroyed altogether. And Jesus is not speculating here. He's speaking of certainties. And so when Jesus warns us not to store up treasures on earth, it's not just because treasures might be lost. It's because treasures on earth will definitely be lost always be lost sooner or later either it leaves you while you live or you leave it when you die there are no exceptions so be careful be careful where your treasures resides earthly treasures are perishable earthly treasures are vulnerable before moving on though let's stop and clarify Jesus warning notice this in your notes Jesus does not forbid financial planning. He's not forbidding joyful living here on earth. But he does warn against greed, the love of money, and selfish accumulation of stuff. So don't take what Jesus says here in Matthew 6 and just assume Jesus is forbidding any and all treasures on earth. Jesus is not forbidding material possessions. He's not forbidding the private ownership of property such as a house or a car or even your clothes. He's not forbidding saving money for future spending such as for emergencies or vacation or retirement or whatever the case may be. He's not forbidding investing money for a greater return. He's not forbidding owning nice things or enjoying God's good creation. What Jesus is forbidding here is the selfish. Storing up of treasures on earth. He's forbidding the selfish accumulation of money and possessions as the major end in our lives. As if that is the goal in which we live for. Christ followers do not live as if self-consumption is the goal in life. Jesus clearly tells us, he reminds us this when he spoke in Luke chapter 12 verse 15. He says, watch out. Be aware, in other words. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. The inevitable reality is that earthly treasures don't last. In fact, this may be the most valuable lesson of the game Monopoly, which I'm sure all of you have played at one point or another. John Ortberg tells the story of His most delightful memory as a boy, and that is going to the lake in Wisconsin and playing Monopoly with his grandmother. You know how she was ruthless when it came to playing Monopoly. The little boy, he writes in his book that she would smear him in Monopoly. I mean, he he kept wanting to hang on to all his money and she would just end up getting it all by the end of the game. But finally, having played Monopoly with his grandmother many, many times and losing, he understood the first lesson lesson of Monopoly. Ruthless acquisition. Buy it all up. And so he was ready for his old grandmother the next summer. And when he got to the lake house and the Monopoly board came out and the money was divided up and the pieces were put on the table, he slaughtered her this time. He took her every last dollar until he lifted that last Monopoly bill out of her hand and left her bankrupt. And with a great sense of personal satisfaction, he had finally beaten his grandmother at Monopoly. And then his grandmother took the board, folded it together, and put it all back into the box. And she said to him, now you're going to learn the second lesson. And it is far more important than the first lesson. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. Many of us were tempted to live life as if it doesn't all go back in the box. And that is what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, remember, when the game is all over, it all goes back in the box. And if you're trusting what goes back in the box, you're going to be very, very disappointed at the end of the game. Don't store up treasures here on earth simply for the reason that they won't last. So where, then, should we store up treasures? Oh, Jesus doesn't leave us guessing. He tells us specifically where. Notice number two, do store up treasures in heaven. We come to verse 20, and it's a replay of verse 19, except with two changes. Notice what Jesus says in verse 20. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And the reason is simple, Jesus explains to us. Treasures stored up on earth will be lost, whereas, and this is the big difference, notice it in your notes, treasures stored up in heaven will last. That is the difference he's making. Unlike treasures stored up on earth, treasure stored up in heaven last for eternity. You don't need to worry about your treasures in heaven. Whatever you've got up there, Jesus is basically telling us, listen, God is taking care of it. Jesus reminds us that our treasures in heaven are not subject to what they are here on earth. They're not subject to ruin, rust, and robbery. Moth and rust don't destroy there. And thieves cannot break in and steal there. Treasures in heaven, in other words, can't be touched. They are protected by God himself. Heaven is the safest place to store our treasures. Anything we try to hang on to here will be lost, but anything we put into God's hands will last for eternity. So no wonder Jesus exhorts us as Christ followers to be committed to treasures that remain in we can break this down in three simple observations here, follow along there in your notes, that Jesus tells us, in fact it's a command here in, these, in this verse, he commands us, tells us to store up treasures in heaven. Now some people think that Jesus is, is against the storing up of treasures, then he's not. That's a myth. Jesus is all for the storing up of treasures. In fact, Jesus commands it, as we said. He has a treasure mindset. He wants us to store up treasures. Jesus is just telling us to stop storing them up in the wrong place and start storing them up in the right place. Second of all, notice this. Jesus tells us to store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't miss this in verse 20 doesn't it seem strange though that Jesus commands us to do what is let's admit it's in our best interest store up for yourselves treasures in heaven wouldn't that be selfish for us to do that then and I would suggest the answer is no Jesus is all about treasure your heavenly treasure And the reason why is because he knows that it glorifies God. Jesus wants you to keep and enjoy your treasures forever. And since heaven is the only place your treasures will be safe, he commands you to store it up for your good and for God's glory. And then number three, we can make this observation. Jesus tells us to store up for yourself treasures in heaven because it's simply, it's smart. It's a smart thing to do. In fact, Christ's primary argument here against amassing earthly treasures isn't so much that it's morally wrong, but simply that it's a poor investment strategy. Remember, earthly treasures just won't stand the test of time. But treasures stored up in heaven will last. And that's why it's smart. Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to invest. He's saying don't make a stupid investment. Make a smart one. I love what John Wesley said once, I value all things only by the price they shall gain in eternity. David Livingston said this, I place no value on anything I possess except in relation to the kingdom of God. And so storing up treasures in heaven, it's not only smart because it will last, but Jesus is also giving us some insight here and saying it's smart because of the rate of your return of your investment. What if... I could guarantee you a 20% return on your investment. Some of you would be like, man, where do I sign up? Show me that bank. I want in on that. Well, Jesus guarantees a whole lot more than 20% return on your investments in eternity. Jesus promises in Matthew chapter 19, verse 29, that those who sacrifice now here on this earth will receive... And in Jesus' own words, a hundred times as much in heaven. That's a 10,000% return. Now that's a return you can only get by investing for eternity. Jesus is exhorting us here to store up treasures in heaven because those treasures will what? Last for all eternity. You've heard the cliche, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul right? I'm sure you've all heard that. Why? Because you can't take it with you. We're reminded of this basic fundamental truth in Psalm 49, 16 to 17. It says, do not be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived here in America. And after he died, someone asked his accountant, How much did John D. leave? And his reply was classic: He left it all. He left it all. Jesus takes this very profound truth. You can't take it with you. And he adds now a very stunning qualification. And this qualification is the secret to the treasure principle. Notice it in your notes. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. The question for us to contemplate is, will we store up treasures on earth where they will be lost, or will we store up treasures in heaven where they will last for eternity? So how then do we store up treasures in heaven? How do we send it on ahead? By investing in that which lasts forever. God's purposes and people. In fact, it takes us back to the wisdom principle we looked at last Sunday. We send it on ahead by honoring God with our wealth, by giving the first fruits of our income, to provide for god's church and support the spread of the gospel to all peoples and we see a a phenomenal example of this when paul commends the philippian church for their giving these believers at the church of philippi they've been supporting paul financially sending him on his second missionary journey And Paul writes these words back to them in Philippians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. He says, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Paul is very thankful for the financial support he's received from this congregation these believers of the Church of Philippi. But he also doesn't want the Philippians to think he's trying to manipulate them into giving more. And that's why he tells them, not that I desire your gifts, instead, he desires that more be credited to your account. That's a banking term. Paul's basically saying to them, you have a heavenly bank account. And every time you give money to me for the sake of the gospel, for the spread of the gospel, you are making a deposit into that heavenly bank. We see another example of how to send it on ahead in Paul's command to those who are rich. You turn over to 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 and 18, and here is Paul's words. He says to Timothy, hey, command those who are rich in this present world, Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And then listen to what Paul says next in verse 19. In this way, they will, and here's the words. Lay up for themselves, lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Martin Luther understood the treasure principle when he said, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess." So the secret of the treasure principle is, none of us here can take it with us. But every one of us here can choose to send it on ahead. And then Jesus does something. In fact, he does what he always does when he teaches. He connects it to our heart. He makes this heart connection with it all here. And here's the heart connection. Notice it in your notes. My heart always follows my treasure. Notice what Jesus says in verse 21. Look at it one more time. He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now that's not the way most of us think. We tend to think that our money follows our heart. But Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. Money leads, hearts follow. Your heart always follows your treasure, either up to heaven or down here to earth. And by telling us that my heart follows my treasure, Jesus is saying something to us here. He's basically saying, show me where your treasure is, and I'll show you where your heart is. That's the idea here. That's the principle he's summarizing here behind the treasure principle. He's making the heart connection. Have you ever wondered why so many people dread the thought of leaving this world? It's because so many have stored up their treasures on earth instead of in heaven. Each day brings us closer to death. And if your treasures are here on earth... That means each day brings you closer to losing your treasures. And so to that person, death is seen as loss. But if your treasures are in heaven, then you look forward to eternity because each day brings you closer to gaining your treasures. And so to this person, death is now seen as gain. John Wesley once toured a vast estate with a proud plantation owner and they rode their horses for hours and saw only a fraction of the man's property and at the end of the day they sat down to dinner and the plantation owner eagerly asked well Mr. Wesley what do you think Mr. Wesley replied I think you're going to have a hard time leaving all this Since your heart always follows your money, treasures, it only makes sense then to put your money where you want your heart to be, which brings us to a question that we all ought to contemplate here this morning. In fact, it would do us well to contemplate this question every day, and that is, what are you living for? The dot or the line? Notice it up on the screen or in your notes. There are two phases to our lives. There's a dot and the other a line extending out from that dot. The dot is my present life here on earth. It begins, it ends, and it's very brief. But from that dot extends a line that goes on forever. A line is my future life in eternity. And right now we're all living We're all living in the dot, right? That's where we're all living. But what are we living for while we're living in the dot? A person who is short-sighted just lives for the dot. They just live for the here and now. But the person with it Eternal perspective lives for the line. They live for eternity. The person who lives for the dot lives for treasures on earth. That will not last. But the person who lives for the line lives for treasures in heaven that will never, never be lost. Here's the good news. You can start living for the line by storing up treasures in heaven. No, you can't take them with you. But you can't send it on ahead. When I was in my, my early 20s, when I moved back from Springfield, Missouri, going to college down there, came back to Kansas City, just started working in our youth group as a lay guy, then became, eventually became the youth pastor. And in my early 20s, I wrote a, a quote in my Bible that I, I go back to all the time. And the quote is simply this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Some of you know where that quote comes from. It comes from Jim Elliott, a missionary who was killed for the sake of the gospel in Ecuador by the Alca Indians. If you hear those words and you think, oh, Jim was just one of those super spiritual missionaries who didn't care about gain you've missed the whole point of this quote we tend to focus on his willingness to sacrifice and believe me he sacrificed and he was willing to do so but we also at the same time when we focus only on that his sacrifice we overlook his passion for gain listen again to what he wrote he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Personal gain was precisely what Jim Elliot was seeking. He just wanted the kind of gain that would last. He wanted his treasures in heaven. So let me ask, what kind of gain do you want? What are you living for? Do you want the treasures that will be lost? Is that what you're going to live for? Or do you want the treasures that will last for all eternity? Choose to live for the line, not the dot. Choose to store it for yourself, treasures in heaven, not on earth. That is the essence of the treasure principle. We've seen the wisdom principle, use your wealth to honor the Lord. And now he gives us the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can sure send it on ahead. Where are your treasures? Show me where they are, and I'll show you where your heart is. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. We thank you for our time together on this snowy, cold morning. But Lord, it's your day. It's the first day of the week, and it's the day you've given to us to worship you. And so we give. Thanks to you for bringing us here this morning. We give thanks for the truth of your word and the perspective that it shows us. It gives us this eternal perspective. And so, Lord, open up our hearts. Help us to realign our lives in accordance with this treasure principle that Jesus has outlined for us today. Lord, I give so much thanks. Our church is such a giving church, and we, the sacrifice of our people, Lord, honor them, bless them. At the same time, Lord, perhaps there are some of us who are struggling. We've fallen into that pattern where our focus is here and now. And as Christ followers, Lord, change our perspectives, help us to see what life is really all about. And that is revealed by where our treasures are, and our heart follows that. And so, Lord, do a work in our hearts that only you can do through your spirit and through the truth of your word. As the praise team sings, this is your opportunity. Go to the Lord in prayer. Seek him. Confess where you need to confess. Ask him for his grace to put into practice what we've heard so far this Sunday and last Sunday. As the praise team sings.